0: Psalm 103 as has been my practice for a while now, uh, the week around, uh, the week of Thanksgiving. Uh, I'd like to share some things about Thanksgiving from the book of Psalms. Uh, Psalms is a, a great heartfelt book of different songs that God's people would use. Uh, we don't have the music to them, we just have the poetry piece uh, inspired by God that we might know Him better. Uh, This is the week of Thanksgiving. Are you thankful? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, always, right? You guys are always thankful, never a complaint from this group at all. (laughs) Don't point your fingers to people. Um, Anyways, um, as we look at this passage, we will see more, but um, I I wanted to just ask the question at the outset, why aren't we more thankful? Uh, What stops us from being thankful? Many times uh, it, it has everything to do with a preoccupation of self, that we are stuck on ourselves, we're stuck on our particular situation, we are chasing after money, we are, are focused on the problems of our life, whether they be health or, or relationship or um, any kinds of different things. Many times they're related to disappointments. Uh, Especially the older you get, the the younger you are, you have a picture in your mind how how life should go, and you still think that that's that's what's going to happen. The older you get, there's some disappointments. You had some ideas in your mind of what life should be like, and it's not like that. And so for you, sometimes there's a justification in your own heart to say, Yeah, I would be thankful if this were true, but I'm not thankful because it's not true, and until it is, I can't be thankful. Sometimes we're lost in our comforts. We wake up in the morning and we say, how can I make my life easy and comfortable today? And that's what I'm going to work hard to do, and so that I can have what I want so that my life would be good in the way I have ordered it. It's a lot like your coffee that you want, and you're these complicated people that you want someone to go milk a soy, uh, something to get soy milk to put in your coffee that comes from some other country, and it has to be the right temperature, and it has to have sweetener in it, but not just any kind of sweetener, this particular sweetener. And then as you finally take a sip of it, you go, oh, this is not right. Right? make it again. Many times we are, are lovers of food and so we, we pursue food and we have these ideas of the next meal that we're going to eat. Some of you are thinking about the next meal you're going to eat right now. Sorry to do that to you at second service. But as you think about your meal, you're gathering things and it has to be just right and, you know, medium rare as opposed to killing it like some people, some of you do. I don't understand it. but um, And then when it's finally presented to you, there's this, it has to look perfect so that I could take a picture of it. uh, Because my friends really care what I ate for lunch. You know, they really care. And then as I I, I take a, a bite of it, I go, oh, this doesn't take it. And once again, do it again. Take it back. Preoccupation with self. Preoccupation of what we want and what we do. This morning as we look at Psalm 103, it's a a psalm of blessing the Lord. And uh, if you'd follow along as I read, if you'd stand in honor of God's word, I'd like to read to you Psalm 103. This is a psalm of David grass he flourishes like the the flower of the field for the wind passes over it and it is gone and its place knows it no more but the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting for those who fear him and his righteousness to to children's children to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments the Lord has established the God, do your wor- work in us as we look at your word. May it impact us, change us, uh, cause us to rethink. Uh, God, uh, we need transformation. And God, we ask that you would do this work, that we would be the people who want to bless you, praise you, grateful to you for all that you've done. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. So this psalm, uh, one of the things he says over and over again is bless the Lord, bless the Lord. And and what that means is it's a call to his own heart, bless the Lord, it's a call to his own heart uh, to acknowledge all that God has done to enrich his life, all the, the good stuff that God has brought to his life. I want to remind you, we won't turn there, but in Romans chapter 1, if you look at that, that passage, you look at this section, there's some filthy sins that have grown and, and have really uh, caused a mark on one's life of depravity. And as you look at that passage, you realize one of this great sins that was committed, it doesn't seem like a great sin, is ingratitude, not acknowledging God and not being thankful to Him for what He's done. And so, so often I, I think that we look at being thankful as kind of the advanced class uh, of something. You know, it's kind of an add-on. You know, I, I walk faithfully with the Lord. And if I you know, really get to you know, the A+, plus, I'll be thankful. But I can skate by with Ds, Cs, and Bs, right? Uh, and not be thankful. And I, I want to tell you, it is a critical piece to our life Uh, even as we celebrate Thanksgiving this week. He says, bless the Lord, and he's going to talk about really to have a heart of blessing, uh, of acknowledging God's goodness. And other ways to say that is to praise God for what he's done, and even as we think about it, the idea of being thankful, uh, being a part of thanksgiving this psalm's very interesting is a psalm of david and as you can think about david who he was there's david and as you think about myself kevin being the holy most reverend of bear valley church um you know there's something personal there right you know david kevin and you all you people you people it's great um I look at this and I, I realize that David, who is he talking to in verse 1? Who is he talking to? Himself. you know. It doesn't mean that he has multiple personalities. Sometimes we struggle. We have conversations with ourselves and we go like this and then we go like this and we talk back and forth. But he's calling on his own soul and he says, bless the Lord. And I, I want to tell you that this is very personal. This is very personal for David. As you think about many of the psalms of themselves, David wrote many of them, I would even say most of them. Uh, you get this word, it's not in there, it's not in the book of uh, uh, Psalms, but it's the word that we would use today as depression. Depression, I, I'm depressed, I'm down. And, and and as you look at the book of Psalms, you'll see that that it's not just usually a moment in time, it's either hours, sometimes in the night, it sometimes is accompanied by tears. It's It's a cloud, if you will, that's hovering over you. It comes in the night, but it also comes in the morning, and sometimes it's struggling during the day. And I look at this and I wonder if David was in one of these seasons right now, and as he, he writes this, he's calling on himself, his own soul, his inner man. He says this, bless the Lord, O my soul. I, I wonder what he's saying, and, and I want to say it this way. It may sound wrong, but like he's saying, David, think about it. David, think about your life. Do the math, right? Right? Take an accounting of all that you have. Look at your bank account. Look at your, your, your they took blood out of you. See, see your health. And some of you are thinking right now, well, wait a minute, Kevin. Are you talking about just like the, you know, that when life is good, you'd be thankful? No. Um, but yes. What David is calling on him for his own heart is this. He's asking the question, hasn't God been good to you, David? Isn't there something to acknowledge about him? Some real stuff, some real stuff, not made up. When you do the math and the answer is just the answer, that's math. It's simple. And and for David, as he would look at his life, if he'd really see it as it was, he could see that God's been good. There were indisputable facts For David, and they're indisputable facts for us as God's people. There's evidence and reasons why we should bless the Lord to praise him, to be thankful. And this morning, as we look at this, this is my hope for all of us, is that we would know, know what it is that we have to be thankful for. Bless the Lord. It's interesting, he says in the second line there, he says, And all that is within me. Many times we would say, oh, I'm a thankful person. You know, like 5% of the time, I'm thankful. And so that could characterize, you know, I'm complaining 95% of the time. But 5% of the time, I'm thankful. That doesn't count. That doesn't count for David. As he thought of his own life, he says this. He says, I look at my life and I, I understand that, that as I know who I am, I should bless the Lord and all that is within me, that I should be 100% thankful, not 5%, not 55%, but 100%, all that is within me. Verse 2, he says, bless the Lord, he, he's repeating he, he, this call to his own heart, bless the Lord O my soul. And forget not all his benefits. I I think you can, as you hear that, forget not all his benefits. That is what happens to us when we start complaining, being sad about our life, being disappointed that we didn't get what we wanted, and being in these dark places. It, It all connects that we have forgotten the benefits of God. This first section is is really a conclusion and when you think of conclusion in our writing style we would do three paragraphs or or four paragraphs or however many paragraphs and the last paragraph is the conclusion many times writing in the book of psalms they would do two conclusions one at the beginning just to let you know where we're going right if you can picture a scroll it probably was because they were reading the first line and they you know There was this thing of like, where's this going? Well, it's that first line. That's what you get. This is what this is about. I want to get you in it early. Most of you, as you read a book, uh, you pick it up and you read the end anyways, right? You know, you read the end because you want to know where this is going. These first five verses is the first and clear conclusion. And, And I'd say it this way. It was a clear conclusion for David and for the people. He says, I I can't forget his benefits. I I can't forget the riches that I have because of God. And I want to tell you that when we start complaining, we are forgetting his benefits. We're forgetting what he has done. Many times we're just remembering that we didn't get what we wanted. We didn't get what we ordered. We've been disappointed because I had a picture in my mind of the perfect life and this isn't it. You look down at, uh, starting in verse 3, he's going to list these things. And he doesn't go into detail, but he is going to go into detail after starting in verse 6. But this is what he says in kind of a a bullet, you know, list type fashion. He says, what are his benefits? Verse 3, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good. As you look down this list, what a list, right? Who forgives, who heals, redeems, he gives you. The picture of crowning is most likely this this picture of the one of authority granting position and, and relationship by a crown, a symbolic crown, and the crown is of what? It's of love and mercy from God. It says, Who satisfies you? And he says, As he gives you all these benefits, what does your life look like? So that your youth is renewed like the eagles. It's a favorite picture of God in his scripture. He's used it two or three times in various places, talking about this picture of sailing or soaring like an eagle. He uses the eagle. He doesn't say like the chicken <laughs> or the old chicken, right? Uh, I, mean, I have all kinds of things I want to say, but I'm going to move on. Uh, he says an eagle, not a chicken. It's not sickly and scared and an inability to fly. It's this picture of this beautiful. And, and where we live, you see it all the time. And there's a sense of like stopping and going, man, it's on top of the world, right? It's above all, it's powerful, it's able. And he says, that's you because of the benefits of God. Because of you having relationship to the one that blesses you, you're, because you have that, you're rich and, and your life is like that of an eagle, soaring. And so he calls on his own soul to bless the Lord. I want to say it this way, though. David, uh, in this psalm, it's as if he's speaking to himself. But as he shares this, and obviously it's inspired by God. It's in some the book of Psalms, Psalm 103. They read it back then. We're reading it now. People, generations in between. This was a message to David. I'd say it this way. To Kevin and to the community, to everybody. That there's a a personal element to our thanksgiving, to our praise. But there's also this idea that it's for everyone. It's for everyone in in the community. If you have a relationship with God, there's much to praise Him for. So that was his conclusion. And then we go to verses 6 through 19. And as we look at this, you'll see this laundry list and these these issues over and over, and they're, they're specific and they're huge and their they're riches poured out. Let's go through them. And, and what this is is the Lord's specific traits and benefits unpacked. Verse 6 The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. It doesn't say in this passage, but, but what group of people have been oppressed throughout history. You, you look at this and you, you say, well, it's God's people, right? It's God's people. And, and sometimes it's hard for us to get living in Kern County, right? We like to think of ourselves as the majority, the good place to live. It's not Marin County or L.A. County for sure, right? For sure, It's not, you know, many of you escaped those places, didn't you? You ran away. You sought refuge in the mountains. Some of you are looking for that next stop, too. You're like, okay, it's not enough refuge here. I'm going to go to one of those other states of refuge. I I, I want to tell you, we're longing for heaven. That's what we're longing for. But but as you as you think about this, I'm wondering if David was thinking of himself. I wonder if he was thinking of his people, of Israel. And for us today, the, you know what happens when you follow after the God of the Bible? You're targeted. You're targeted. There's, there's a you know a target on your back. And and God's people have been the, the, the target of oppression forever. We we sometimes get this idea that if you follow after God, everyone's going to like it. It's not true. And so as as he starts this list, he says this, righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. Verse 6. I'd say this, though. It's very important for you to get. A lot of times when bad stuff happens to you as you're following Christ, um, you, you say, well, you know, if, if you can talk to the, your oppressor, you say, God's going to get you. God's going to get you. He sees what you do, and, and he's going to come with his justice, and he's going to take care of you. you. You think about that, and you say, well, when's it going to happen? When's it going to happen? I, I want to tell you, we don't know. It's part of his timetable, Right? We know that definitely in the end that he will be the God of justice and righteousness. We can trust in him. And so this first piece of his benefits is that he's a trustworthy God of righteousness and justice. Verse seven. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts uh, to the people of Israel. And as you hear the word Moses, his name, you think of Moses' history. You you remember that (laughs) Moses was raised up to save God's people, right? He was protected. He, he was even given privilege in Pharaoh's household that, that he would be ready to lead. And God used all that to, to bring God's people out of Egypt into the promised land. But there were, there were times in the way there. That they were wandering in the wilderness. And what happened in the wilderness? God provided over and over and over again he did miracles to provide for them whether it be manna or birds or whatever they needed water they they were provided for they were provided for direction both by day and night that there was this presence of God that would lead them to where they were supposed to go and so as you think of Moses it says he made known his ways to Moses his acts to the people of Israel And as they would look back, as God's people would look back, they would look at their history and they'd go, God's been good to us. God's been good. And as I look back, even to days that I wasn't a part of, I see God's goodness. And that's part of his benefits, that that's the same God today. It's interesting in this passage, he says in verse 7, he talks about the ways his ways to Moses and then verse 8 he says something that is quoted over and over again uh to first to Moses and then uh Moses says it over and over again the Lord is merciful and gracious slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love to to which as you read verse 8 what do you say personally What do you say personally? What does that mean to you, verse 8? And and when I say, what does that mean to you? How does that apply to your life? The things that you've done, the the place where you are, the the days that you have before you, the truth. and, And as you look at this, this section, this is what the Lord's like These are his specific traits. These are the benefits of knowing him. Verse 8. The Lord is merciful. Merciful. He's gracious. He's merciful and and gracious. Slow to anger. Slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. I, I didn't count how many times it's like four, five, six, or seven, somewhere in there, talks about his love, his love. And that word for love is translated, I think in ESV almost every time, steadfast love. And it's this special, in Hebrew, hesed. It's his promised covenant love with his people. And the beauty of it is this, that it's based on God, not on you what would be the problem if his love was based on you? You get it? Are you with me? Uh, If if I'm good, if I'm doing everything that God wants me to, he'll love me. He'll love me. And he'll love me as long as I'm doing what what I'm supposed to be doing. But he says, no. He says, let me tell you about the character of our Lord. Let me tell you about his traits and his benefits. What are they? The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. That's something to be thankful for. As you look at your life and your your failings and sins over and over again, and I I feel so sad. I feel so sad. I I hate hearing it when people want to talk about their own goodness. I'm a good person, and, and as they tell you that, they're trying to convince themselves that, God, are you listening? I, I've decided I'm a good person. I'm a good person. I'm not like my brothers and sisters and you know, my neighbors and other people. I, I'm a good person. And what you're saying when you say that is, I don't need a gracious, merciful, patient, steadfast love sort of God. But for you and me, we read that and then we go, I'm so thankful. Verse 8, I'm so thankful because that's the kind of God I've needed. That's what I've needed, his mercy, his love, his patience, his steadfast love over and over again. As he goes on, he, he speaks of his anger. Verse 9, it says, he will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. And that in and of itself should be uh, uh, something to be thankful for, right? H- have you ever experienced, have you ever experienced the, the, you know, the, the correction of the Lord? Is anything you've done in your life, has it brought about pain to your life that he's correcting you? And you say, oh, I, I think God's angry at me. Why? Because of what I did. It's my fault, but the patience here, and the beauty of this is even as we look at his anger, which is real, just as his anger, he will relent and his heart is bent toward the former, meaning this, verse 8, that, that his anger is only for a time and that he will relent as we repent and come back to him and acknowledge our sin, that he is a God of forgiveness. His anger won't be forever. Verse 10. Verse 10 says this. It says, uh, he does not deal with us according to our sins nor repay us according to our iniquities. Once again, he's talking about his graciousness. I want to look at verse 10 and just say this. God is not fair to us. He is not fair to us. Do you want him to be fair? No. I, I don't want to jump up to those who are oppressed and his justice and righteousness comes to me because of what I've done. I don't want him to be fair. You say, well, I, I want him to be a justice, ju- a just and righteous judge for them. For them, but not for me, Right? I want to experience his his steadfast love, mercy, grace, patience. In verse 10, we can rejoice that he does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us for that which we have done, our iniquities. Verse 11. Verse 11 says this. It says, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. Now, who loves you? Many of you would say things like, well, my dog loves me. My dog loves me. Dogs are funny that way, aren't they? I hate to break it to you. Your dog doesn't love you. Your dog loves food. <laughs> if you wouldn't feed your dog anymore, he wouldn't like you anymore. It's okay. Works for teenage boys, too. Um, so you say, Well, I, you know, uh, my dog loves me. My kids love me. My grandkids love me. Or maybe you think of, in other terms. You say, Well, my My mother loves me. By the way, there's that phrase, isn't it? A face only a mother could love, right? And it's that bond, right? They're perfect, they're perfect. Or my grandmother, there's this love. And I, I, I just wanna say that he is distinguishing in verse 11, he says, let me tell you about this steadfast love that I keep mentioning. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love Toward those who fear him. If you have a relationship with God, you have the highest form of love in him, in him. You can trust in it. You can rejoice in it. You can be thankful for it. Not just in the past, but in the future as well. His love is greater, greater than all. In verse 12, he, he talks about the heavens and the earth being such a, a far distinction. Verse 12, he says this, As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. He, he takes another picture of that which is as far that way as, as far that way. You know, he, he's, he's putting this way out there just as he did the heavens and the earth. And and as he he looks at this, and as he shares this with us, he says, "I, I remove your sin, I have forgiveness for your sin in an immeasurable distance. That's how far I remove it from you. And then to add to this amazing love that he has for us that is all part of his benefits, verse 13 says this, As far as as a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. What kind of love does God have for you? Well, it's a love of the perfect father that has compassion on his failing child. Compassion. It's a funny thing, being a dad, when you, when you go to the, the ball field, you find your son, you find your daughter. When you see a picture, uh, that's a school picture, and it has the class, you look for your son and your daughter. It's not that you don't see others, but that they're the special one, right? And I, and I know some of you are even struggling right now, even as I mentioned your father, because you go, ah, my father, he wasn't that great. Wasn't that great? You know, he he failed me over and over again. He was harsh to me. He was harsh to me. And so as I look at that verse, I go, I hope he's not like my father. You look at your father, you look at your dad, and you say, yeah, my dad was kind of a loser. Kind of a loser. And others of you here today, you're going, I am the dad that's been the loser. I am the dad who has failed over and over again. But, but look at the tenderness of this verse. Look at the, the, the benefits. Look at the riches that are found in verse 13. As a father, a right father, a good father, shows compassion to his children, not justice, But compassion, when they come crying, he picks them up. When they come failing, he says, we'll get them next time. Like there's this love that a father has that he displays for his children, not for everyone, but for his special children. The psalmist writes this, he says, as a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. The father doesn't crush the children in their failing but shows them his grace and compassion to which we should say I need to praise him I need to praise him because he's been compassionate toward me when I deserved his justice as we move on from verse to verse 14 we, we see a contrast, a part of his benefits of, of us, how he sees us as we are, and of him, uh, what he's like. In verse 14, it says this, For he knows our frame, he remembers that we are dust. As for a man, his days are like grass, he, he flourishes like a flower of the field. For the wind passes over it, and it is gone, and its place knows it no more. He knows us. And what are we like? We're fragile, right? He, he uses two words there. He says, um, verse 14, he says that he knows our frame. He understands our makeup. Why does he know our frame? Because he made us, right? And then he remembers that we are dust and that picture of coming from the earth and then returning to the earth, that we are matter and then he, he describes in verse 15 and 16, Tehachapi, you see it in there? As for a man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like the flower of the field. That one week in spring where everything is green and budding and beautiful. And I think about how the wildflowers are around here and I, I know how we talk about it. Those of you who have been here for a while, they say, oh, the wildflowers are out. And, and there's this sense of urgency. Oh, where did you see them? I, I need to go see them. Because you realize they're here today for a moment. And if I don't jump on it, if I don't go get my pictures and, and post them so we can flex on those people who live in those God-forsaken cities where nothing grows. <laughs> and, and as you post those, you realize it's a short period of time. And the reason I say it was Tehachapi, listen to this. Verse 16, for the wind passes over it, right? (laughs) I, I do believe it's this picture of it's beautiful and then the hot winds come and it just crushes them. And what does it say? Verse 16, it says this, and it's gone. It's gone. And its place knows it no more. It's always interesting. By August, we, we look around and there's just a deadness to the, the, the hills here, right? Just a deadness. And everything's dead. Everything's dead. And, and the animals are looking to, you know, the deer and the, the all the animals, they're out and about looking for something that's alive, something to eat. That's why you grow gardens, just uh, <laughs> to feed, uh, feed the barmits. Um, <laughs> You look at this and he says, he says, I, God knows about me, David. He knows about my frame. He, he remembers, he knows that I, I'm dust, both on, on both sides, right? In the beginning and the end. And, and, and he knows that there's this sense of man flourishing for a moment, that, that is a temporary. It's like the spring grass and the wildflowers but in the end, verse 16, we are temporary. We are gone, gone, gone. And I really believe that as, even as we look at this idea of the, that life is short, what should you be doing then? You know, if, if your days are short, should you be preoccupied with self? If your days are short... Should you be complaining about what you don't have? If your days are short, should, should you be saying, I, I, I didn't order this. You need to take this away from me, God. If your days are short, it seems that we should acknowledge him today in the moments that we have. That he, he knows us. He described us in verses 14 through 16. And, and then he contrasts himself verse 17 Once again the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting for those who fear him on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children As you look at what is everlasting to everlasting it's the idea of something eternal that his love will last I'm always thankful for this, and and we can be thankful for this in the darkest of days. Why? Because the love of God will outlast whatever's going on. If you have heartache today, you have a relationship with God, his steadfast love for you will outlast whatever dark days you have. There should, there's reason to be thankful that his love is with you from everlasting to everlasting. It's interesting too, he says in his righteousness, one of the other attributes, he said, to children's children. We have some children's children here today, right? You know, he, he's pointing out the generational thing, right? Those of you who are married and you have kids, you have, those are your kids, those are your children. And, and then the children's children, what are those? Grandkids. You know, sometimes better than the. Anyways, but uh, uh, sorry, Nate. I didn't realize you were here. Um, so, so it's this idea that children's children, right? It goes down, and, and the importance of that is this: you got to get this. I, I think it's so often we we say when we get preoccupied by self, what happens? I'm the only one that matters. If my back hurts, everyone's going to hear about it today, right? If I didn't get the food that I want, everyone's going to hear about it today. I'm going to go buy the junk that's going to make my life easy because that's the point of life. I want you to get this, that, that God's goodness is everlasting and it's also generational, that it, and it's not just about your generation. It's about the generations that are to come and that God will be enough for them. Them. not something to praise him for. That's something to bless the Lord for. Every time and every place. And by the way, grandparents, if your grandkids or kids are breaking your heart, not walking with the Lord, don't give up on them. Do not give up on them. Don't be silent either, even if they tell you to. Would you listen to them when they were two? Why do you listen to them when they're 32, right? I'm still the mom, I'm still the dad. And I do have something to say. I don't want to hear it. I know, that's why I'm telling it to you. Because you need to. The faithfulness of God, his compassion for his children, his love, in our frailty, he knows us. And then there's him, his steadfast love is enough everlasting to everlasting. The Children's children. Verse 18. To those who keep his covenant and and remember to do his commandments. I, I think that's the response of God's people that that's where they are. That means to fear him. That means to have, walk in relationship. To those who respond to his covenant love in response to that. I want to I love you like that. I want to do what you've called me to do because you are God and I am your child. Verse 19 is a transitional verse. He concludes this section by saying this, and this will bring us into this next last section, the other conclusion. He says this The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom rules over all. Verse 19, look at it. Look at it. What is he saying? As part of his benefits or his attributes, the things that describe our God is that his throne is established, meaning what? That he's the king. And what is he the king over? End of verse 19. All. He's over all. I've said this before. It's very simple to remember is that God is God and I am not. And, and neither is my spouse, neither are my kids. Ne- neither is the president of our country or the president of some other country, right? Or another king or another place or another army or whatever. We, we sometimes get confused and we, we get nervous, but we look at verse 19 and it says, his, the Lord has established his throne in the heavens above and his kingdom rules over all. Overall, overall, which brings us to the, the, the final conclusion is this, verse 20 <coughs> through 22. He says this, bless the Lord, O you his angels, you, you mighty ones who do his word, o, 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 obeying the voice of his, of his word. Verse 21, bless the Lord all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. As you look at verses 20 and 21, you you see he speaks of angels and then he speaks probably of different kind of angels that are going and doing his bidding that we don't see. But but know this, that the angels see clearer at this point who the Lord is. They, They understand his greatness better than we do at this point. And so they're called upon, David, but God speaking through David, that what's right for the angels to do? Bless the Lord. It's right for them to praise him. It's right for them to express their, their gratitude and the worth of the Lord. Why? Because it's true for them. So angels should uh, bless the Lord or praise the Lord. Verse 22, bless the Lord all his works in all places of his dominion. You remember verse 19? We just looked at it. What are the places of his dominion? Well, what is he over? All. And so as <laughs> it looks a, a, of all creation, heaven's earth, you know, all that he has done, all his works, and there's a sense of like, Angels and everybody, everybody, should bless the Lord. And how does David finish this psalm? "Bless the Lord, O oh my soul." You see, David struggled just like we do. He was just a person. He was just a man. Man who was a king, many days he wasn't a good king. Many days he failed. Failed in his marriage, marriages, failed with his kids, failed in leadership. He was selfish, proud. And so, as a result of that, he struggled with life, right? There was depression, there was there was heartache. And so as you look at this psalm, how does it start? Bless the Lord, O my soul. How does it end? Bless the Lord, O my soul. What should we be doing? Blessing the Lord, praising the Lord, thanking the Lord for all that he has done and forgetting not his benefits. God, thank you for this morning and this amazing psalm. And God, I thank you that you're a God worthy of our praise, worthy of our thanksgiving. God, help us not to be preoccupied with self, but that we would be blown away at your kindness and goodness, the riches you've poured out on us, that we would say, I need to bless you, Lord, for what you have done, who you are and what you have done.